Uh, last week, if you were here, you might remember I talked about being caught. And I talked about the negative side of being caught, and that is that we as human beings are born into a dilemma in that we are already caught by what I called last week the curse. To be caught means that you're confined. It means you don't have your freedom. Whatever kind of a trap it might be, we speak of, of you know, um, mental verbal traps. We speak of there's, there's sting operations. There's all kinds of different ways that human beings get themselves caught. And whatever it is, to be caught literally is the notion that I'm under some, the control of somebody else. I'm not under my own control anymore. And it's a scary and a frightening reality in most instances. Now, I hope when we're, before we're done today, you re, you'll realize that there is a good side to being caught if the right person has caught you. If the Lord himself has caught a hold of your life, you're not free to do what you want either, but it's all for the good. It's not, it's not negative. But um, I want to go back to the negative for a little bit today and then come and look at a little bit the positive side of being caught. We, we talked about being caught by the curse of sin, which we're born into a world where we're already kind of enmeshed and embroiled in the reality that we're sinners and we're going to sin in our life. And, uh, and it's described in Isaiah, as I read last week, of, of being a little bit like climbing up out of a pit and getting caught in a snare. It's like, no matter which way I turn, there's something waiting just to grab a hold of my life and mess it up. Uh, I want to read a verse in Galatians chapter 6 and talk a little bit about why it is or how it is that we are caught by sin or by the curse. And then I hope we can look at a brief, just briefly um, this reality of being caught by Christ, of being, um, of, of being in the power and in the sway of God rather than our own selfish and self-interested schemes. But... First, this verse in Galatians chapter 6, this is verse 1 and 2, and it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. <clears throat> so the idea here uh, could be, and perhaps with this translation where it says if anyone is caught in a sin, it sounds like it would be uh, the idea that somehow, somewhere, when I have sinned, somebody was watching and somebody saw me and they exposed me and I'm caught. Remember the story in John chapter 8 in the New Testament where they brought a lady to Jesus and he said, what do you bring her here? What do you bring this lady here for? And they said, she committed adultery. And before Jesus can even say, how do you know that? They said, we caught her. That's what I'm talking about. To be caught in a sin is to be exposed immediately, somehow or other. Um, but there's another possibility. In the Greek language, just like English, sometimes prepositions can have different meanings, and they take those meanings from the context in which they are. And so if I said to you, I'll use our English word by, B-Y. So if I say to you, um, 
the, the bank robber got caught by the car. What's that mean? Well, it could mean uh, a sense of location. Like the cops, the cops grabbed this guy down here by his car. He was trying to get away, and they caught him by the car. I could mean that. Or I could say, if I say the, the, the bank robber got caught by the car, I could mean that he went to get out of the car, and he slammed the door shut, and his coattail stuck, and he gets caught by the car, right? It could mean that. And so by not only means location, it could mean instrumentality or means. Same way with this preposition in Greek. It could be said, it could be saying, if anybody's caught in a sin, in sin, then treat him gently. Or it could be showing instrumentality and be translated by. If anyone is caught by sin, treat him gently. And be aware that you also get caught by sin. So my point is that there's a little difference between these two ideas, and sometimes it, both are true, and sometimes uh, it could go either, this, this thing could translate either way and, and still mean very similar things, but I, I, I think there's a difference in the times and the scope of being caught in sin versus being caught by sin. I personally would prefer to translate this with the word by. I mean, the preposition can mean in or by. Because once in a while, somebody might catch us in sin. But probably every day of our lives, we get caught by sin. If sin is considered the reality or the entity, the curse, then it catches me. It it. It, it grabs a hold of me. Um, I'm sure some of you have seen this TV program. Uh, I think it's on National Geographic Channel. It's called uh, To Catch a Smuggler. And it's a documentary type thing about different airports in the world and their attempt to interdict and catch smugglers of drugs, people who are taking drugs, taking drugs from one place to another. It's quite interesting, I think. I mean, it just... Uh, it goes around different airports of the world, shows them the dogs sniffing the suitcases behind the scenes and, and how people are kind of profiling you as you walk through and they say, uh, this one fits our profile, let's search this one. And, and it's amazing. Of course, I'm sure they, they don't put on there the millions they don't catch, they just kind of highlight the, the few that they catch. But uh, of, of all the different ways people attempt to, to hide and smuggle drugs, it's just mind-boggling. Um, what they do and where they put them and how they put them. And uh, remember once they uh, had suspicions and they had a, a, a cooked ham that a lady was bringing from Colombia. That was their first clue. And they sliced this baby open. I mean, it was in the plastic wrap. It looked like you just picked it up at this grocery store. And they sliced this cooked ham open and it was filled with cocaine. But the dog had sniffed it out. So anyway, uh, when they arrest them, they usually give them a phone call. And I remember one where this dude, a uh, young man, uh, they gave him his phone call and he picked up, his, he picked up the phone. And I, 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 I can only assume it was the call wasn't to his mother. Probably, it was probably to whoever he was going to deliver these drugs to. I don't know. But he only said three words. I still remember this. He picked up the phone and, and they connected and he said, they caught me. That was the whole conversation. He, he put the phone down. 
In other words, he was saying, you know, we both know this is high-risk stuff, and, and, you know, my, my, number didn't, my number didn't turn up well today. So my question is, to go back to the negative, curse-catching side, why? How is it that I am so continually caught by sin? Occasionally, perhaps caught in sin, but more often caught by the power of sin. Why? I want to mention two things. One is uh, predisposition. I am born, I come into this world already oriented towards sin. This is the whole message. This is a, a quite a large portion of the message of the Bible. All have sinned. In sin, my mother conceived me, David, King David said. These kind of things point out to us that we arrive already oriented or predisposed towards sin. And therefore, sin easily catches hold of us because we're kind of sliding by at just the right angle. It's like a Velcro situation. You know, um, we're just already lined up and sin has the hooks and we just kind of cling on. Um, this is part of why it is and how it is that the reality of sin often snares us. And this is a picture the Bible gives many times of snared and trapped and caught. I, I was trying to think how I could illustrate this. I have a couple of different ideas. And none of, I, I don't know. Maybe one of them may mean something to you. Um, I don't know. But let me try. The first is the idea of uh, the first is the idea of a, a, a oh, here's, okay, let me, let me st stop for a second. Here's a verse that speaks of this predisposition to sin, Romans 8, verse 3. Our natural instinct toward God, which it calls here God's law, the law. The law is what God wants to get done. The law is what I really delight in, Paul said, in my inner, me, in my inner being. I want to follow the law. The law is God's revelation of himself, so I should be attracted to that like a moth to a candle. But there's a problem, and here he says this. The law is weakened. Somehow or other, I'm predisposed to disobeying the law rather than obeying the law. The law is weakened by our sinful nature. That's the flesh. That's the nature with which we're born. That's why I say that from the, from the get-go, we have within us this predisposition. And so the, the pull of the law on our life is already weakened, like, like a magnet that's, that's already losing its strength. Why? Or how does this happen? I'm, I'm, I'm going to just try to use a couple of different analogies. I thought I had one here. Okay. This is, this is, if this doesn't mean anything to you, fine. But let me just try. You know, we have, um, we have a system in our body, we call it the immune system, that's supposed to or designed to help keep us uh, safe from the attacks of viruses and all these other wild things that are out there. So... Uh, I'm not a medical person. I hope I don't botch this too bad. But these viruses are wobbing, wobbling and weaving and floating around. And 
once in a while, one of them's going to find your face or your nose or whatever, and it enters your body. And when it gets in your body, of course, your immune, your immune system uh, should just knock that baby over the head and stun it and just throw it in the trash can. That's what should happen. But if your immune system is weakened or, uh, or very severely compromised, then the virus, you know, the centuries are asleep and the virus sneaks right on past. And it grabs a cell and it latches on. And then, about then, is when you start coughing or sneezing or whatever, and you say, oh, I caught a cold. Actually, the cold caught you. It's probably a better way of putting it. Because the cold is there, the virus is seeking whom he may devour. And so, the law is our immune system. The law of God, the revelation of God within our heart and mind and being is designed to knock that sucker over the head and shut it down. But Paul says, well, our spiritual immune system is really quite weak. So naturally, the cold's going to catch up. Naturally, the sin is going to snare us and say, oh, here's another victim. Here's another dummy that I caught. Just one analogy. Here's a second. Uh, if this one, first one didn't make sense to you, this one won't either. But that's all right. Um, you know what a, an allergy is. Good. I don't know what an allergy is. But I understand an allergy to be some kind of a reaction that I have. So it might be to a place or maybe a person. Um, but more likely to a food or something like that, that when I get near this or when I consume this, I have this extreme reaction. And your body says, stay away from this. It's going to kill you. And so if I know that I'm allergic to something, I'm very careful. I'm very hesitant about eating it. I, don't, I, I have a, a healthy fear of eating it. Here's what... The flesh does. Remember, the verse in Romans 3, 8 said that the law of God is weakened by the flesh. The flesh says to me, my flesh says to me, David, you better be careful with God. Stay away from him. You know, you're allergic to him. And it feeds me fake news. It feeds me lies that say, if you get too much of God, if you get too close to God, you'll lose everything of your own independence. You'll lose all the fun you ever thought you might have in life. You're going you're gonna to have a terrible life if you, get, if, you, if, if you let God's spirit in your heart and let go, the Lord have his way. If you seek him, oh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be good. It's certainly not going to be fun. And it just feeds us all this kind of stuff. So that by the time I understand about God, I'm already predisposed to say, no, thank you. I'm allergic to that. I'm allergic to him. You see what I'm saying? This is, the, this is the insidious way that the flesh somehow or other weakens the law before even I get to where I can actually ponder and comprehend what the law says. That's why I'm saying it's predisposed. Here's a third one. If the first two didn't make any sense, maybe this one might. Then, I'm, then I'll move on, I promise. You know, I, I listen to radio sometimes in my truck when I'm driving around visiting folks. And one of my... Oh, one of my pet peeves are these electric transmission lines that always are around the road. You know, I mean, 
Of course, they put the poles on the road and the wires on the pole because that's a convenient place to put them. I mean, it's just uh, it's where civilization is. It's where that. It's it's just where it's easy for the trucks to put the poles in and all. I don't. I, I guess that's why that the power lines often go along the roads. And so you know the story if your radio is not maybe the top of the line and there's a signal coming out from a tower somewhere from a radio station but you know what happens between the the signal and my and your receiver or your antenna sometimes the the power line jams that transmission and you get <laughs> And so, this is my pet peeve. And the weather in Greencastle today is... <laughs> oh, listen to this song, this beautiful song. And I think, oh, I love that song. <laughs> it's always right when you're like just wanting to hear something that this, this stupid static cuts in. Our flesh does that to the signal which comes from God. It does that. It creates interference. It jams the signal. It, it makes static. So that from the very get-go, from the very start, the, the law is weakened because the flesh interferes with my spiritual ear, with my heart. The flesh interferes and says, just when the Lord starts to say something, the flesh says, <laughs> and... It's, 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 these are just different sort of descriptions of what it means when it says the law was made weak by our sinful nature. Okay, second reason that we often are caught by sin is not only that we are predisposed to this from the very beginning, but because if that isn't enough, sin's trying to persuade us all of the time, that it's the best option. And sometimes it succeeds, and we get caught. Here's, the, here's, how, the book of, here's how the writer James puts it. And he uses the word enticed. I have that in capital letters. That means you're persuaded. When Cindy enticed me to marry her, she persuaded me. It was quite a, it was quite a salesman's job, I tell you. And, and she, she did such a good job selling me that I'm still, I still think it's, you know, I, I, I'm still in love. Uh, it says every person's tempted when by their own evil desire they're dragged away and they're enticed. And then here's the catching part. Here's the caught part. When, it's, when, the, when, when you stick your paw in the trap, boom, the trap is sprung. That's what he says. It gives birth to Sin, when the desire gives birth to sin, sin gives birth to death. So we're not only predisposed towards getting caught by sin, we're actually persuaded into it uh, right, 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 right along the case, right along. And here's what happens, and here's what it means when it says sin gives birth to death. This is just my, my description of what it means when you're in the trap. You lose your potential because you can't go out here and do and be 
and accomplish what you dream in your heart because sin has a hold on you. And you may say, I don't want to do this. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 7, talking about the ways and the times when sin catches him and holds on to him against his, the will of his heart. You know what Paul said? I am the most miserable specimen on the planet. Oh, what a wretched person I am, he said. I, I can glimpse my potential of things that I could perhaps do or things that I would love to do, and I just can't do them. Why? Well, sin somehow has hold of me. And sin somehow has either convinced me through discouragement or intimidated me because of some past failure or whatever it might be. Uh, uh, hundreds of different, uh, many different ways sin, as in, in its when it catches us, Remember, it says, those of you who are caught by sin. Not, not caught necessarily meaning that somebody shows up at your house with a picture and says, ah, I want a thousand bucks or I'm going to blackmail you. It doesn't necessarily mean that at all, but caught, caught by the power of sin. So you become a victim of sin in your life. Here's, here's the reality of it. This is what sin does. It confuses your identity after a while. You say, am I a believer? Am I a saint or am I a sinner? Am I one of God's children or am I just lost, spiraling out of control on my way to hell and the devil? Do I, am I just a child of the devil? People, people get confused as to who they are, their identity, because of, of the confusion sown into their life by sin. So I, I wanted just to go back to the curse from last week and to say, you know, here's sort of a little bit more of an explanation as to how it is and why it is that sin, that the curse, um, catches hold of us and snares us. We're just born to make it easy. And secondly, Satan's doing a good job of selling us. And both sides of those affect this reality and make this true. Now, I want to... I want to just close today with a story from the New Testament. And the, uh, the beautiful, beautiful picture that's there. Uh, you're probably familiar, very familiar with this story. This version of it's in Matthew chapter 14. It's in some of the other Gospels as well. But, you know, the disciples and Jesus had had an eventful day. They separated. Jesus went off to a mountain to pray. Disciples went out fishing or relaxing, I don't know, out on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and they're crossing over, and darkness falls, and a storm comes out of the hills, and, and somehow or other, just very quickly, the waves and the wind are whipping their little boat, and they're struggling. In fact, in John's Gospel, it says that Jesus, from the mountain where he was, he looked and he could see them, and I don't know, if this means physically or if he saw an image of this in his heart, in his mind, I don't know. But he says that he could see them struggling against the wind. And they were in fear of their lives. And you know the story how Jesus, in compassion, he just decides to visit, to, to give his disciples a visit, to encourage them, to help them. And so, you know, nothing's an obstacle for Jesus. If you're on the land or you're on the water, it don't matter. He just walked out to where they were. Walking right across the water. It just 
It blows my mind. And when they saw this, of course, they'd never seen anything like it, and neither have you. And they saw this figure coming across the lake, and at first they were scared out of their mind, and they thought it was a ghost or a spirit or they were haunted or whatever, and then somebody said, it's Jesus, that's Jesus out here, walking. And Peter got really excited. And Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter just leaps out of the boat, and you know the story. I mean, for it says a short distance, for a little bit, Peter actually walked. Can you imagine that? Woo! He actually walked on the water, just like Jesus was doing. For, you know, I, I don't know, I envision it like two or three steps. And then reality hit. He, he, he realized, number one, whoa, I'm a person and people don't walk on the surface of water. And secondly, oh, look at that wave. And all of a sudden, all these doubts crashed together in Peter's mind. And his faith just evaporated. And in that moment, the scripture says, and here's a verse, that the water began to trap him. You know, it's as if the water just goes, because he started to sink. In that moment, he, he's literally going down, he's literally going down. And, and so, uh, you know, his, his life went from pure adrenaline and pure excitement to nothing but fear. And he's, you know, he's in a moment of dire crisis. And the Bible says that in that moment, Peter had, the, had the, the genius, stroke of genius of his life. Best moment of his whole life. He said, Lord, save me. And the gospel says that Jesus just reached out his hand and touched him. And it's a parable. I mean, it happened. But it's a parable for us. It's it's a, it's a powerful picture for us, for us, of being caught, of being, of being held, of being rescued by God. Realizing in the moment, as Peter must have in that moment, that my life is not my own. I am caught by God. And there's many times in the life of a true believer there's many times in the life of a person who's filled with the Spirit of God where they would just as soon turn around and head some other direction, but they cannot do it because they're caught by the love of God. They're caught by the power of God. They're caught by the call or the calling of God. And they may say, I don't, I don't even want to be here right now. And the Lord won't even let them leave. If you have moments like that, if you have experiences like that, you are you, it, these are moments when you can realize, I'm caught by God. You know, Paul said to the Corinthian church, this is in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, the love of Christ compels me. The reason that I, the reason that I face these dangers, Paul says, the reason that I put my own agenda on hold, the reason that I hold my tongue, the reason that I um, do many things that I would rather not do, it's because the love of Christ compels me. The King James Version translates that word constrains me. You know what it means to be constrained? It means you're caught in a trap. 
You're confined. You're constrained. And Peter said, Paul says, I cannot do certain things because God won't let me because I'm caught by the love. It's not a negative thing. It's very positive. Only the old self-centeredness of my own flesh would consider it a negative thing to be caught by God. Only the defiance of the sinful heart would consider it a negative thing to be caught by God. But when, when, you, when you yield your life to Christ, which is the goal of us, all of us, which is the, uh, the calling of, for all of us, which I encourage you today to do in your own heart and life, to surrender your heart to Christ, to let him catch you. It'll take you places that you maybe didn't want to go, but they will be blessed places. And they will be fruitful places in your life. And I just want to close by saying this. Uh, I've found in my own heart, in my own life, in my own experience, that really simplifies my life quite a bit. <clears throat> because um, all I have to do to figure out if something is right or wrong for me is to say, uh, Lord, what would you have me do? I'm, I'm, I'm confined by the notion of obeying God. I'm confined by the notion of my love for God dictating my actions. So it very much simplifies things many times. Do I want to be caught by the world or do I want to be caught by Christ and carried, not only pulled out of the water, but all the way, all the way through until the, the time of my reward? Heavenly Father, today we realize this is the crux of the matter for us. This is a very powerful moment for each of us to consider that what Jesus did to Peter when he caught hold of him and he rescued him up out of the waves and the water, that, that, what, he, that what, he, uh, what he did there was a picture and a parable for each one of us in our heart and lives. We also at times sink deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but your love catches hold of us and lifts us. And uh, that's, that's what we come to here today, that, that equation, that decision. And we choose today to make it for you. Catch us and hold us, we pray, in Jesus' name.